A win against the Milwaukee Bucks was nothing but a beam for the Sacramento Kings as the Milwaukee Bucks pick up their 12th straight win against that franchise. And ultimately, they were too big, too strong, and too physical over four quarters in this matchup. We're going to talk about Drew Holiday's offensive performance. We're going to talk about Giannis scoring 30-plus points in eight straight games and a little bit about the defense as well. There is plenty to break down. People are jumping in the stream, so let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win My name's Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. And uh, as we always do in a post-game pod, along with every other podcast, actually, to be fair, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every single day, uh, particularly to those that are in the YouTube stream now and just jumping in the YouTube stream uh, to have some fun over the next 25 to 30 minutes here, breaking down the Bucks 126 113 win over the beam team, over the Sacramento Kings, the much improved Sacramento Kings, uh, we should say. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn and specifically LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. So I mentioned right off the top, it was a 126-113 final. It took until the fourth quarter, really, for the Bucs to break free in this game. They outscored the Kings 29-19 to in this game. So you say, okay, well, you held the Kings to 113 points overall with one 19-point quarter. They must have put up some points over the first part of this game, and they certainly did do so. Remember, coming into this game, the Sacramento Kings, the fourth-ranked offense overall. So we'll talk about some of the defensive stuff for the Bucs. Absolutely, we'll talk to Giannis. And happy birthday to Giannis, by the way. It is, I don't know whether I should feel sad that now he's 28. I remember young 24-year-old Giannis, just a kid playing for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now he's 28. He's getting older. But you could say that he's actually just entering his prime, which is pretty exciting. And he scored 30 straight points for the eighth straight game, 30-plus points for the eighth straight game. That's the second most all-time in Bucks history, tied with Kareem. Uh, Kareem also has the record at 16 straight. So a bit of work to do for Giannis there. We'll talk about him. But I want to start right now with Drew Holiday in this game. He was the one right from the start, particularly offensively, that took over this game. He finished the night overall with 31 points on 12 for 23 shooting. And that 23 shots is a big number. And we're going to get into that a little bit more here. Two for four from the three-point line. So we've seen him have big scoring nights before. And sometimes it's been fueled a little bit by his outside shooting. That wasn't so much the case today. Uh, and then the other aspect I like is that he had six assists and just the one turnover. So for Drew Holiday, uh, 23 shots, 19 of them from two-point territory. And when we look at the Bucks' offense overall, 
I think that most people would agree this is not necessarily an offensive team that will go out of their way to seek out mismatches and to take advantage of whether it's a size mismatch, athleticism, whatever it may be, outside of Giannis just being too big and too strong, which we see on a nightly basis. But Drew Holiday is the one guy that on most nights, in my opinion, plays within himself offensively. He is unselfish. He'll take the shots when they're there. He's willing to just space the floor and be an outside shooter. So far this year, he's shooting 34% from the three-point line. It's still a little bit surprising to me that he was 40-plus percent from three last year, but he was, and he can be an efficient shooter from the outside. But what I like is when Drew Holiday decides almost from the outset, it's like he comes into a game and he says, I know that I can be at my best when I'm playing bully ball, and we're playing the Sacramento Kings, and it's De'Aaron Fox, it's Kevin Herter, it's Malik Monk. Davion Mitchell is a pretty talented young defensive player, don't get me wrong, but from a physicality standpoint, Drew Holiday is on another level at this point. So he understood that there was no one in that guard rotation that could stop him. So he was willing to take De'Aaron Fox to the post and use that quick spin move for the easy layup. He was willing to back guys down from the three-point line and score over them. And I just loved it. This is Drew Holiday at his absolute best. We see it from time to time. But when he decides that he has a physical mismatch, he is the one guy on this team that will absolutely make the most of his mismatches and his advantages on the offensive end. On the season, this is shot frequency on the season for Drew Holiday. 39% of his shots have come from the three-point line. As I mentioned, 34% from three on the season. So that's coming up a little bit. 37% from the mid-range, and then only 24% at the rim. Only 24% of his shots are coming at the rim, and that's, that is despite the fact that he's shooting 75% at the rim. So he's been incredibly efficient there. And that's a little surprising because it does feel like he's blown some bunnies in that range. Now, that just tells you that this guy gets high-quality shots. He makes tough shots off the wrong foot, wrong hands. I don't even know what his wrong hand is. He can shoot off both hands. But tonight, if we pull up the shot chart, and keep in mind what I just told you. So only 29% of his shots are coming at the rim. Here's Drew Holiday's shot chart tonight against the Sacramento Kings. And out of the 23 shots that he took, let me do some quick counting here. Two, four, six, seven shots outside the paint. The other 16 came inside the paint. Now, not all of those are going to be counted as at the rim, but roughly looking at that, I would say around 13, 14 of his shot attempts tonight came at the rim where he's a 75% scorer on the season. And so there should be no surprise that Drew Holiday overall had one of his better offensive nights for the season. Now we're getting a few comments here that the, uh, in terms of not seeking out and taking advantage of mismatches, Kendrick here, uh, not seeking out and absolutely punishing mismatches is a bud tradition. Now there's no doubt that the Bucs, for the most part, have been a team that just like to run their offense. Clearly, a lot of it re- re- uh, revolves around Giannis. So I agree that it, you know, that is Bud's responsibility if he wants to really hammer home an advantage or a mismatch uh, there. But ultimately, the Bucks' offense in the half court, as we've said, has been mediocre. So maybe it is something that they need to do a little bit more. But overall, that's what stood out to me with Drew Holiday. I thought he was 
absolutely sensational in this game. And it is just fun uh, when he is the guy that gets to do that offensively because we know all the work he does on the defensive end. So that shot chart stuff, uh, you love to see it. And traditionally, when the Bucks play these younger teams, that is sometimes when Drew says, hey, I've had enough of this crap. I'm just going to go score on everyone tonight. And he did that. I actually thought he was on pace for a 40-point game there at one point. I think he had the 31 all in the third quarter there. Remembering that Drew Holiday has also missed a couple of games uh, with the ankle stuff that he had earlier in the season, and it looked like he was trying to, to get his rhythm back as well. So, you know, we had some comments earlier in the season that, hey, you guys aren't talking about Drew Holiday enough on this podcast. So I just wanted to start with Drew tonight because he was awesome. And another quick note as we wrap up the Drew Holiday uh, conversation, we talk about partnerships in this team or duos that are dominant. Now, we know Giannis and Chris Middleton together, absolutely dominant. They are a team, a pairing that is almost unstoppable, particularly in those pick and roll scenarios. But we saw a lot of Drew Holiday tonight, and I mentioned the six assists as well, whether it's putting the ball on the floor, getting to sort of that paint area, throwing a lob to Brooke Lopez because all of a sudden he was drawing those double teams. Also kicking the ball out to the corner to knock down a three for Brooke Lopez as well. So I actually like the partnership of Drew and Brooke Lopez. I've got no numbers with me right now to really confirm any of this, but it feels like when those two are on the floor and sometimes you have Giannis and Chris on the bench and it's Drew, uh, Brooke Lopez and some shooters around, it feels like you can get some nice half-court execution there as well so drew holiday simply sensational today uh, we'll talk a bit more about size in this game we have seen the bucks absolutely bully young teams in the past and it was absolutely the case in this game tonight so we're going to talk about that after i talk about linkedin jobs they are the sponsor of the podcast today and these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you have to do is chuck the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. Anyone that's on LinkedIn has seen this before. Then they have tools like screening questions, which make it easier to you know, sift through. It's a time-wasting uh, thing here. You're getting rid of the time-wasting and getting straight to the point so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and hire. So LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Also, make sure you check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast as well. You would have heard me talk about this in the past. Locked On Bucks is your first listen or first watch of every day. We're already fully aware of that. But for your second listen, check out Locked On Sports Today from the games that matter to the most and biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't listen to people that tell you that size doesn't matter because it absolutely mattered in this game. I mentioned the Bucks able to clamp down defensively in the fourth quarter. The post-game interviews are going on right now, and I would have to imagine that Bud would make some reference to the fact that he wasn't happy with the defense 
over the course of the first three quarters. But ultimately, over four quarters in this game, the Bucks overwhelmed the Sacramento Kings, who really were running with DeMontis Sabonis for a lot of the time at the five, Harrison Barnes as a four, and then yeah, a little bit of Trey Lyles there. But a little bit curious that Rashawn Holmes didn't get more time in this game. He came in for the garbage time and played one minute and 18 seconds here. But overall, when you have Giannis, when you have Brook Lopez, they're going to overwhelm you. And the offensive rebound total in the end, 17 to 8 in this game. And we saw as the Bucs were trying to close it out, it's not like Milwaukee blazed the Kings away offensively in the fourth quarter. They were only two for seven from three. It's not like they were they got hot from the outside, but on those misses. Brooke Lopez in particular was huge in this game. He had nine rebounds and six. Six of those came on the offensive glass. And then I have to give some credit to Pat Connaughton, Javon Carter, and also Grayson Allen for some of those important tip-outs as they were able to, to keep plays alive. And ultimately, the Bucks win the second chance points count 25 to 11 in this game. So it was a dominant performance physically. I already mentioned the physicality of Drew Holiday and how he was able to get to his spots. But on the glass, I thought it was awesome as well. And if we get to some of the comments in the stream here, Andrew asks, how much production do we need to see out of Pat Connaughton to feel like he is back? We saw a couple of the trademark catch high, keep high, shoot high Corner threes from Pat in this game. Overall, he played 24 minutes. Two for seven from the field. Two for six from three-point range. But he had the six points. Again, we saw him playing key fourth-quarter minutes. We know he's been a closer in the past uh, for the Bucks in that lineup with uh, Brooke, Giannis, Chris, Drew. So overall, there's a familiarity with this Bucks team right now, which is really exciting. Hopefully, Pat, as the games go on, will just become more of a knockdown shooter. He's been super reliable. But where Pat is at his best is cutting. I think he's one of the better cutters on the team where he can finish around the rim. Uh, The offensive rebounds, as is pointed out uh, by Lucas Jones, who says Pat gets a lot of good hustle plays. And then, yeah, you do want to see the three-point shot uh, continue to improve there. But I thought overall some decent signs um, from Pat Connaughton. And there was also some decent signs from Chris Middleton in this game. Some of those jump shots that he took, particularly... One from the corner was absolutely wet. He was 5 for 11 on the night. He had 14 points in his 29 minutes. Six assists again and only the one turnover. So we discussed this after the first game he played on Locked On Bucks. His ability to facilitate for this offense, I think, is going to be significant. Remember, before Chris Middleton came in, the Bucks 21st in half-court offense. And Middleton's come in. He had the seven assists against the Lakers. He's had six assists tonight against the Sacramento Kings. And he did have the standard second game up rust that we saw the other night. He wasn't great in Orlando. Sometimes that's the case. But so far, at least at home, he's been awesome. And you can see that I've I've used the term pressure relief valve for this for this offense. And we've seen it a little bit, whether it was that corner three with a hand in his face off the dribble whether it was a catch he had right in front of the Bucks bench and it's a little jab step, jab step, knocks down the two. He can just create his own shots. He can draw fouls in the perimeter. We've seen that a little bit as well. So Chris Middleton back 
it's going to be a bit of an up and down ride, as we've seen from Pat Connaughton and as we've seen in the past from Drew Holidays. He's come back from injury, but overall, uh, just having him back and some of the lineup stuff that you can do with this team is absolutely awesome. And Marty Moose loves the play from Chris Middleton here. Says Chris is back, baby. Kings are one of the best offenses in the NBA this year. This was a solid win. And overall, I would say that I mentioned that I wanted to talk about the defense a little bit. So when you give up 95 points in the first three quarters, as I said, I don't think Mike Budenholzer is, uh, Mike Budenholzer is honestly going to be too impressed with that. But the Sacramento Kings are a unique team. I mentioned the fact that most of the time they went a little bit small. And I do think that they are a team that overall does make life a little bit difficult for Brook Lopez because we've spoken so much about the idea that Brook Lopez is getting five blocks per game, six blocks per game. He only had one tonight and he wasn't necessarily challenged at the rim a lot. And I think a lot of that was the fact that if you have Brook Lopez out there, that DeMarta Sabonis likes to operate around the free throw line a little bit more. He's certainly very comfortable on the perimeter as a facilitator and a screener even if he's not necessarily looking to fire away from three. So you don't need to necessarily face guard him on the three-point line, but it's just a different look. And because Harrison Barnes is the four and a genuine floor spacer, and then you've got three guard lineups that the Kings went with a lot, it's just overall not a great matchup for Brook Lopez in this game. So I was curious to see how they were able to slow down the Kings. And overall, Brook still plays 34 minutes and he's a plus 16 in a game where the Bucs win by 13 points. So the defense, not great for the first three quarters. The Kings were getting a lot of open looks, particularly from three-point land in the corners early in this game. But over the course of an 82-game season, we've seen this. We were super impressed with the way the Bucs defense were contesting the three-point line to start the season because you don't often see that energy on those closeouts and the rotations over the course of an 82-game season, but they started the season really, really well. And yeah, I thought tonight, maybe, certainly out the gates with the Kings knocking down three threes in the first two minutes of this game, maybe the Bucs' energy wasn't quite there to start this one defensively. But as we've seen time and time again, they have gears, and ultimately, in the fourth quarter, they hold the Kings to a very respectable 19 points, and they close out the win. The thing that I kind of love about the Bucs, though, as you saw all the starters check out of this game with about 118 to play, it was. Giannis looked exhausted, but he didn't look exactly pleased. Brook Lopez was on the bench shaking his head, as he always is. And it looked like there was a healthy level of frustration there for the Bucs. And they've just beaten a team that has been pretty impressive this season. 13-10, and 10, the Sacramento Kings, they've won three straight games. So I know that it's easy to look and say, this is the Sacramento Kings. The Bucs weren't great tonight. But I thought they were pretty good. And I thought this was a pretty damn good win, particularly as you prepare to go on the road against the Dallas Mavericks team that in the past, not earlier this year, but in the past has given the Bucs troubles. And that's a big game. So I thought this was a nice win. Overall, the Bucs 18 and 6. And you absolutely would take that. Three games from Chris Middleton. And by the way, I buried the lead. Joe Ingles, Eric Name, our great friend, posted a video of Joe Ingles knocking down three after three after three off the dribble. Didn't look like he was going full speed. 
But how do you actually know when Joe Ingles is going full speed? That is a question that I would like to ask. But he was knocking them down. We talk about the pick and roll play of Chris Middleton. You add in the pick and roll play of Joe Ingles. I just love the depth of this team. I can't wait till Joe gets back into this lineup. I know assistant coach Mike Dunlap gave a little hint about potentially Christmas Day. That would be a great Christmas Day present for this host of Locked On Bucks. I would be absolutely fired up about that. But just a nice little carrot that we got from Eric tonight in the pregame. And uh, hopefully Joe Ingles isn't too far away. But it does bring me to the depth of this team because we are getting lots of questions in the stream team about the rotation. And Tim Martin says he is amazed at the depth of this Bucks team and it really showed tonight. So I want to talk a little bit more about the depth of this Bucks team after I have a sip of water. Interesting rotation stuff tonight when it came to the Milwaukee Bucks. And just before I get to that, Tim Martin says, if Ingles starts playing, are you coming back to Milwaukee, Kane? It is absolutely in my plan. It is in my plan to get back to Milwaukee. Hopefully, I have to wait until the end of the NBL season, the Australian League season for work commitments. Uh, But that's towards the back end of Feb. So nothing locked in yet, but absolutely planning to get uh, back to Milwaukee sometime either late Feb, early March, something around there. A live Locked On Bucks. It's okay to do Locked On Bucks live on YouTube, but how about Locked On Bucks live at a venue, at a bar somewhere where I'm, I'm not sipping on water. I'm sipping on a beer. I'm sipping on a cold beer, local beer from Milwaukee, and we can talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. That is the plan for me. But back to the rotation from this game. We're getting lots of Javon Carter talk. Naturally, we're getting lots of George Hill talk, which again, I don't know what everyone's so fired up about. Javon Carter played 19 minutes in this game. George Hill played 14. Who cares? Uh, Bud is only playing nine guys overall. He's not overworking anyone. Again, I do feel that Javon Carter remains overall ahead of George Hill in the rotation. Doesn't mean that George is not going to play at all come playoff time. Obviously, we can't guarantee that. Javon had some nice plays with little pokeaways tonight. We know what he can do defensively. But ultimately, I think he's in a better position. And I go back to the game where Javon Carter scored, was it 36 points that he had in that game, which was just absolutely sensational stuff from Javon. But ultimately, in the post game, I said, I had so much fun watching Javon Carter in this game. He was simply superb. But whatever he did in this 36-point performance is ultimately not going to matter when the players come back because that's not the role that he's playing. I thought both guys have been solid. I know that there are some people that are going to watch George Hill, and it doesn't matter if he plays 10 good games in a row. They're not going to give him any credit. I don't understand the hate for George Hill. It makes no sense to me, and it hasn't from the start. But I thought they were pretty good. And ultimately, Javon Carter played six more minutes than George Hill. So what's the problem? There was only nine guys that played in this game. What about... Jordan War, who's played some good basketball lately. What about Marjan Bochamp, who's been sick? This is just a really damn deep team. And then I mentioned Joe Ingles, who we expect is going to come back and play as well. And Marty Moose uh, accuses me of some uh, Aussie bias in this commentary. Yep, no denial. I like Joe Ingles. Great fella, very funny guy. And hopefully an impactful player for this basketball team as well. We did see in the fourth quarter that Bud went to a lineup with, I believe it was George Hill, Drew Holiday, Pat Connaughton, and Chris Middleton, Giannis. That was a low 
uh, a small ball lineup. And I can understand there's some people that said, well, it's the fourth quarter, put Javon Carter in there. But ultimately, the Bucks went on a mini run there with that lineup. And Hill was just facilitating the offense. He knocked down a corner three. I thought tonight was one of his solid nights. And I've said this before, if George Hill plays decent basketball and you're still telling me that he's no good and needs to be off the team, then it's hard to take those complaints seriously. Elsewhere around the NBA, Michael gives us an update that the Celtics are absolutely obliterating the Suns. Uh, That comes after the Mavericks uh, touched them up uh, pretty comfortably a couple of nights ago as well. And overall, I agree with Kendrick. Back to George Hill. He says if he's an aggressive and active 12 minutes a game is good for him. Yeah. I mean, I I just like for your ninth guy, 10th guy, if everyone's healthy, he's probably your 10th or 11th player on the roster. 10 minutes isn't making a big deal here. But overall, I had fun watching the basketball tonight because for the first time in a long, long time, you didn't come into a Sacramento Kings game and thought that it was a guaranteed win for the Milwaukee Bucks. They were back in blue tonight. The blue court was back, which we love to see. For anyone in the stream, let me know. Are the blue jerseys a tick or a cross? I like them with the blue court. I think it looks super clean. And overall, I was pleased that the Rebels get the blue uh, jersey back for this game. And I mentioned some of the small ball lineups that the Bucks had uh, in this game. And Brooke Lopez obviously played big minutes. Bobby Portis. Not a huge impact in this game. One of the rare nights where he wasn't able to get a double-double. But other than that, there was winners right across the court for Milwaukee, in my opinion. And as I said, they improved to 18 and 6. It doesn't look like they'll pick up a game on the Celtics, judging by that score update that we just got from the stream. But you love it. If you're the Bucks, and Rudy says the blue jersey is awesome. Lucas says he likes the blue. Zach says he's still enjoying the blue jersey as well. I'm not sure when they're wearing purple next, but we look forward to that as well. But as people know that listen to this podcast for a long time, I'm not necessarily getting too fired up about the different jersey combinations, but I am getting very fired up about this podcast and what we've got coming up. Tomorrow on the show, Dan Schaefer, you might know Dan. He wrote a story about Giannis recently. So tomorrow, we're just going to be talking a heck of a lot of Giannis when it comes to the podcast. And I can't think of a a better way to end the week, to be honest, than talking about Giannis. As I said, he just turned 28. I'm not sure if there was any confirmation tonight about what he ended up getting for his birthday present. If anyone saw that clip, uh, that is quality TV. And, you know, for his sake, I hope he was able to get uh, that birthday present that that he was after. Let's just leave it at that. But the Bucs will play the Dallas Mavericks in a couple of nights' time. Obviously, it's always fascinating. We've got the Jason Kidd factor. We've got the Giannis and Luca factor. And that's a late one for the locals in Milwaukee. That, to me, if my calculations are correct here, that looks like a 9 p.m. Friday night tip-off. Uh, Q asks, what does Giannis mean by freaky? I'll leave that to the listeners to come up with their own answers to that question but all i can say is i hope it was a fantastic birthday night for Giannis. and on that note we're going to wrap it up as i said dan schaefer tomorrow on the podcast we'll be talking bucks we'll be talking mavericks just in general a lot of Giannis content tomorrow on the show if you've joined us live for the first time 
Subscribe to Locked On Bucks. And remember, you have to turn notifications on or else you will not know uh, that we go live on this podcast. We've had well over 100 people overall, again, on this live stream, which is pretty good considering there was no real notice given. But if you put the notifications on, you'll know wherever you are, you'll be able to jump into the stream. Thank you to everyone for listening. We will be back tomorrow for another podcast. Bucks 18 and 6 on the season. Uh, they are rolling. They are looking pretty good. And overall, that makes this show pretty fun to do. Enjoy the rest of your night, the rest of your day, wherever you are. We'll speak to you guys tomorrow.